0: Once again, turn with me, if you would, to the gospel according to Mark chapter 16, and when you have it, please stand. I am reading from the New Revised Standard Version, and it reads as follows. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Siloam, brought bought spices so that they may go and anoint him. And very early, on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from entran- from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, Look, there is the place that they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. God's word for God's people. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today is a uh, special day all around the country, all around the world, in many, many different houses of faith. This time, this period, is very special to people. Uh, You know, we are of the um, United Methodist Church or UMC denomination. But uh, churches are packed because there's another denomination that's up and coming. It's the CMEs, Uh, those who go to church on Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. Uh, Pastors, preachers, speakers, teachers, whatever you prefer to call them, are all somewhere, somehow, talking about various different scriptures a little bit about myself in terms of preparation I like to preach the lectionary it's a uh, three year calendar uh, one for each synoptic gospel Matthew, Mark and Luke and uh, basically the lectionary is a calendar that always has four scriptures on it it has a psalm, it has an Old Testament scripture it has a New Testament scripture and it has a gospel scripture based on what year it is John is kind of sprinkled around all three years. But so in terms of uh, planning the service, uh, I'm always going to, from the lectionary, you could guess which one's going to be the Old Testament scripture, which is going to be the New Testament, and one of the other two I'm probably going to preach from, uh, if n- if not possible, to uh, tie up all of the uh, scriptures together. Uh, this week, is Mark 16 1 through 8. But I know somewhere, somehow, uh various churches, uh some people might be preaching Matthew 28, 1 through 10, or Luke 24, 1 through 12, or even the gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Pretty much the same story. People go to the tomb looking for Jesus, and Jesus is not there. Uh some of the more scholarly uh, academic preachers may even try to preach 1 Corinthians fifteen one through 11 uh, because that is actually the oldest recorded story of the resurrection of Christ the Pauline letters or the epistles were actually written before the gospels were recorded so some of the more academic heady pastors may try to preach their sermon from there I've even seen some countercultural people maybe try to talk about the uh, the the uh, so-called pagan origins of Easter. Uh, I got different opinions about that. Uh, You want to talk to pastor outside of the pulpit, maybe over some Buffalo wild wings. Pastors found Buffalo wild wings. We can we can hash that out. But some people preach on that. I choose to keep it moving. Uh, Other people may even preach Luke 24, 13 through 35, the uh, walk to Emmaus. When the disciples were on their way to Emmaus and a stranger came up to them and started asking about this Jesus and they uh, walked through what he did and all the different things he did and it turned out that the stranger was Jesus. But no matter where we're at everybody or most people somebody somewhere is preaching about this because this is the reason we are here Uh if there was no resurrection there would be no Christian uh, I'm also a little partial to this day because I grew up under uh, some some uh Traditional pastors, uh, some some pastors kind of had a little bit of flavor to them and it did not matter where they started. No matter where they started in the sermon, Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, no matter when it was time for them to close, you knew that we were going to that one Friday morning on a hill called Calvary where they took your say our Savior and strung him up between... Two thieves, and he died. Didn't he die? Amen. He died until the earth reeled and rocked like a natural man. Died until the sun refused a sign. He died until the veil was torn. He died until the centurion said, Surely, surely this must be the Son of God. And coming to that big finish, you know, we know that we knew that he wouldn't leave him there in that borrowed tomb it was bald because he wasn't going to be there long yeah. or that they put the rock in a rock and close the rock with the rock. But uh, we knew before all of that, that uh, he would not be there long because early, early Sunday morning on the third day, he got up with all power in his hand. And I've even heard some pastors say that if you don't end your sermon At least bringing them to Jesus, no matter where you started, your sermon was, quote-unquote, lacking substance. That may not mean that you had to close it out with the the tried and true Calvary, the the Friday on the place called Golgotha, a.k.a. the place of the skull. You, You didn't have to finish it that way, but if you were not somehow bringing it back to Jesus, they felt you might need to spend a little more time studying your lesson before you would get up in front of people. So I'm partial to Easter because... Easter is the big finish it's it's the reason why we're here and so I'm always partial and I'm always watching even prior to uh, getting in the candidacy process to get ordained as an elder in the United Methodist Church I was always interested in crafting sermons and how they were crafted and I always wanted to see what was pastor going to do on Easter but that's just me But it's still an important day because that is the reason we are here. We are here because of the mystery, the mysterion in the Greek of Jesus Christ. Someone born of a virgin could be hung on a tree, which Old Testament scripture says is almost a curse. But because he uh, he was born and died on this tree and got up, the suffering that the enemy thought was defeat... Turned into our greatest victory of all. Uh, last week I talked about Judas Maccabeus. He was able to save the Hebrew people for a whole week. Whole week before the Romans decided to send reinforcements and, and crush him. But what Jesus of Nazareth saved us, he saved us from everlasting to everlasting. That's a lot longer than a week, I think. I don't know. Maybe. This is the same Jesus who in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 went to say that uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and let the oppressive go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll when he had went into the church and said that what's going on in this scripture is happening right now. Yeah. And he did it. He was definitely anointed. He was the son of God. He brought the good news to the poor. He did that. He proclaimed the release of the captives. He did that. We are free in Jesus Christ. We are new creatures. Recovery of sight of the blind. Yeah, he did heal the sick and raise the dead. He did it. And let the oppressed go free. And proclaim the year of the Lord. He did all of that. The scripture that he was quoting a piece of was actually Isaiah 61. So I went back and looked up the whole. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring the good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted. He did that too. Proclaim liberty to the captives and release the prisons and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Once again, he did that. But the scripture goes on to say, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. You know, a lot of times people see the word vengeance and they think, something angry, some sort of some sort of punishment, but it's also payback. He's paying the price. And he's comforting us who mourned. Jesus does that. There are times when we are sad, alone, brokenhearted, and there's no comfort that mom or dad or cousins or anyone can bring. But we can always cast our cares upon Jesus. And that's what he did. He comforted all of us who mourned. He is the image of the invisible God. The uh, Colossians chapter 2 verses 15 through 20 says uh, he disarmed the rulers in authority and made a public example of them triumphing o- over them in it. Therefore, do not anyone let condemn you in matters of food or drink, of of observing of new moons and Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what's to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting upon self-abasement and worship of angels and dwelling in visions and puffed up without cause or human ways of thinking. Do not hold on to anything fast. For the whole body is nourished and held together by the ligaments and sinews of grows together of what is good through God. We sit around and we try to worry about, at that time, feasts and festivals and who was better than who and who did this and who did not do that. And and Jesus was here not to do away with that, but to complete it. Instead of worrying about all the things that we've done. We need to focus on Jesus. I mentioned. uh, During the. uh, This is a big time for different houses of of faith this day. But not only this day but this period. uh, Our. Jewish brethren are celebrating the Passover about now. And there was a time to uh, celebrate When uh, the Hebrew people were captive under a Pharaoh, they uh, sprinkled the blood of a lamb on a door so that the death angel could pass over them and not slay their children. But that lamb couldn't just be any lamb. They had to inspect the lamb and make sure it was without spot or blemish, had to be perfect, pure. And just like that Passover lamb was without spot or blemish, Jesus was without spot or blemish. And through his blood, we are saved. Death passes over. I find it uh, interesting as well in uh, knowing about a Seder celebration, which is the meal that the Hebrews partake of during Passover. Passover. Uh, that there is what they call an afikomen. It's a broken piece of matzah bread that they would wrap in a cloth and bury or hide the cloth. And they would have the children go look for this cloth. And when they found it, when they found the afikomen, they got a blessing or a prize or a reward. And that down the line became uh, what we do as Easter egg hunts. We hide Easter eggs, and when the children go and find it, they get a prize, candy, toys, something or ever. But I like that it was the afikoman that was wrapped in a cloth and buried away. And uh, I find it interesting that Jesus was wrapped in a cloth and buried away. But when you find Jesus... You get a greater reward than you would ever get finding an Easter egg or an Afikoman. But I, 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 I enjoy the symbolism. Christ embodies everything that Christ can save. And that's why they often say that he is a, a mother to the motherless and a father to the fatherless. And, you know, a doctor in the sick room and a lawyer in the courtroom because he's embodying everything that we save. And when we find Jesus, he gives us much more than any other material thing can give us. Yeah. Yeah. Romans ten six tells us that Jesus is the completion of the law. You know, oftentimes people want to use Jesus to throw away different things, and I often say that the parts of the Bible you like aren't the parts you like without the parts of the Bible you don't like. It says that he was the completion of the law. It was a plan set forth. Abraham, the father of many nations, He was given a promise. I'll make you a great nation. Make your name great. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Then Moses came after Abraham and he had the law. Then Jesus came after Moses and gave us the faith. It was all three together. We needed the promise. Then we needed the law. Then we needed something to have faith into as a completion. But Jesus was all of that to us. And as we are joined in Mark, which is one of the oldest gospels uh well is the oldest, depending on which researcher you tend to tend to listen to but it says that Mary Magdalene, the mother and Mary the mother of James, went and bought spices and uh take a little privilege right here about this uh, Mary Magdalene deal it bothers me when people say that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute because there's no scriptural foundation for it Uh, I've seen movie after movie after movie inspirational email all of these different things that always tried to say that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute but there is no scripture to back that up, none. The closest one time somebody wrote, one of, one of the uh, Catholic popes wrote that uh, there's a reference in Luke that calls Mary a sinful woman. First of all, we all in sin, so that ain't really nothing new. Second of all, there's no proof that that was Mary Magdalene to begin with. But oftentimes people are very quick. And it kind of hurts me because I mean people kind of use that kind of thing to justify some unruly treatment of people but Mary Magdalene was not a prostitute at all at all but the people use that and not only number one does it say that you know that Luke scripture says it was in sin but um there are scholars that say that that wasn't necessarily Mary Magdalene, because there was a Mary of Bethany as well. Mary was a pretty common name, so there was Mary of Mag- there's Mary Magdalene, there's Mary the Mother of Jesus, there's Mary the Mother of James, there's Mary of Bethany. There's no saying that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Moving on, I found it interesting that it said, uh, as they went to buy the spices, they were asking, "Who will roll away?" the stone for us and when they got to the stone the stone was rolled away you know sometimes we spend a lot of time worrying about things but this Jesus of ours has already taken care of it you know sometimes it's not for us to see the plan all the way through I mean if we could work the plan all the way through of our lives what's the need for God But when you look back on it, the different steps, each one of those steps made you appreciate it more. You know, I'll use myself as an example. I spent a lot of time worrying about my candidacy process because I felt like it should go a particular way. I felt like, first of all, when I got started in the candidacy process, I should have immediately been hired to be the youth pastor of Windsor Village. Just off the bat. hey. I'm in the process, the spot is open, give it to me. Not now, but right now. That wasn't for me. And then I went before the SPRC, got past them okay, but then I went before the DCOM, which stands for the District Council of Ordained Ministry. I got rejected twice. Well, technically three times. First time I turned in my paperwork They said, We didn't get it. Come on back next year. Next time I showed up with the paperwork, and that time I mailed it, and I went in, they said, No, we didn't get it. You don't have to come back next March because they only meet once a month, once a year in March for this opportunity to get certified. And so I went before them, I was like, No, we didn't get your paperwork. Sorry, next year. Next time I sent my paperwork in, I walked it in. I walked directly into the district office, put it in their hand. I turned it in now, right? Okay. They said, okay, we're going to do it either the 14th or the 21st. Call in, say who's going to do the 14th, who's going to do the 21st. I picked the 21st. Called them on the 20th to make sure everything was still good to go. Oh, no, we moved everybody to the 14th. (laughs) So, uh, then I went again. New DS, new DCOM, I'm ready to go. Turned in my paperwork. This time I got to the interview. They said, uh, yeah, uh, Johnny, we would like to certify you, but you didn't answer subparagraph A, B, and C. You only answered subparagraph D and F, and we were looking for A, B, and C, and so we can't certify you right now. So, uh, why don't you come back next March, and let's let's uh we'll work out we'll work on your certification then. But uh, somebody at the decom said, well, why don't we have him come back in September? Cause this time it was a a mix up. I was under the I came in under the 2004 book of discipline, and we were in the 2008 book of discipline. And so there's like, well, you know, those books don't coincide if he the I can see why he missed three questions on the, because they're not in that spot. Why don't we come back in September? And everybody looked at that person like they had spilled a secret. We weren't trying to talk to him in September. That's for meetings with the bishop. But I came back in September. I got a new mentor, helped me answer the question because that was the other thing. They would said, even if you had answered the questions, if you answered them, if you answered the rest of the ones you missed, like the ones you answered, we still couldn't certify you. This ain't enough. Got me a mentor. Came back in that se- that following September, certified. Now I would look at it like, hey, you failed four times. Maybe this is not for you. This you might not want to do this process since you keep running into some issues and and and. Uh, Looking at it from the outside in, if somebody else would have told me that, I, I might have told them, hey, man, maybe this is not for you. But I was worried about who was going to roll the stone away from me when the stone got rolled away in its own time. Because, yeah, yeah. see, if I was if I would just got certified and walked right into that youth pastor position at Windsor Village, I wouldn't be here. If I would got certified earlier, I wouldn't be here. There's no telling where I would have been. But I'm where God needs me to be at such a time as this yes. to do the work that God has called me. And so sometimes we sit around worrying and talking about who's going to roll the stone away from us yeah. when the yeah. stone is going to roll itself away yeah. when it's time. Yeah. I've been mean, just using my scriptural imagination. What 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 if what if Mary and Mary had decided to go Saturday instead of Friday. Stone would have still been there. Who's gonna roll it away? What if they'd have went Friday night right after he got put in? Stone's gonna roll away. Stone the It's all about timing. And sometimes our timing is not the proper timing of God. And then they were told to tell the disciples I say, Mary and Mary. Were told to tell the disciples. Amen. I'm gonna let that sink in just a little more. Mary and Mary knew about the resurrection first, yes. and they were told yes. to tell the disciples that was supposed to be the first Easter sermon. Mary and Mary delivering the first Easter sermon but it says that they ran away and they were afraid and to be honest uh, on another biblical scholar note that is actually where a lot of the original transcripts of the gospel according to Mark ended they ran away And they were afraid. But we obviously know. Based on the fact that it picks up again at verse 9. And goes all the way to 19. Which covers the ascension of Jesus. That somehow the word got out. Somehow people got to know. If they didn't know we wouldn't be here. So for me that lets me know that sometimes it's okay to be scared. As long as you don't freeze, it's one thing to be scared It's a whole different thing to freeze. I could be scared of dogs. Now, if a dog starts to chase me, being scared of a dog means I can run away. But if I'm scared of a dog and I freeze, it's going to be a bad day. It's going to be a really bad day. There are there are plenty of things that one needs to learn. I actually ended up having to teach myself how to swim to pass a, a gym class in in uh high school. I could I had taken the classes before, I'd wear my life jacket, I'd stay on the five foot end, but in order to graduate high school in Indiana, you had to take At least two years of gym and freshman gym required at least nine weeks of swimming. And in nine weeks of swimming, you can't stay on the shallow end and still pass the class. Eventually, you got to go to the 12-foot end and jump off the riser a couple times and tread water. I can be scared. As long as I'm not scared and freeze, I can be scared and jump off of the deep end. But if I allow that fear to freeze me and not jump, I might not finish high school. And that'd be pretty embarrassing to not graduate from high school because you didn't take a gym class. But because they were afraid, but they went on later and told about the resurrection of our Savior, we now have this grand religion that we have today. We now have knowledge of a God who heals the sick and raises the dead and open up blinded eyes and sets the captives free. We have a, someone that we can pray to in our time of trouble. Someone who we can carry all of our burdens to. The burden bearer, the heavy load sharer, Because of all of these things, because they moved even though they were scared, we now have the reason that we are here jesus christ who was crucified and buried but on the third day rose again with all power in his hand so that those that believed in him could be saved in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit the doors of the church are open